Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, Jonathan and Bernie examine the contents of the Book of Necromancy they have acquired, and agree that it either needs to be destroyed or handed over to the Watchful Order of Magician Protectors for a safer study. While they agree that it's filled with pretty evil spells, Jonathan admits to being tempted by some of the more powerful ones in the book. The next morning, they consult with Carlton and Travancore on what they think, and when discussions about destroying the book along with the Devil Amulet comes up, it causes Travancore to suffer from the Geese spell he is under. With the focus back on preparing to take care of the Yugaloth, preventing them from destroying the amulet, the group head back to the Neverwinter Academy to meet with some professors and hopefully gain some more information. And now we continue our adventure, already in progress. You have two different people that you promised that you would come see. You have uh, Jeffrey Trugust and Aniel Noroella. Who would you like to go see first? Professor Trugust. Let's rip the band-aid I was say, he off. seemed like the more of the uh, punctual, be first thing in the morning kind of guy. I will, I will be a kind DM. Also, Jonathan has that memory of his. And I will say that Jeffrey Trugust, you just said that you would see before noon. Well, I believe Aniel Norowella, you did promise to see first thing in the morning. Oh, then, yeah. then we're off to see An- Aniel Norowella. Aniel Norowella. Norowella. And Jonathan, you know enough about the layout of this place, about where the professors are, and where you can ask the right people in the right places that it is no problem to find her office. It is a, a small, very well-appointed office, very neat and clean. It's faces out onto the street, which usually indicates a professor of lesser rank, but she has also artfully arranged her office. Unlike most other offices for the professors, when you enter, they either face a bookshelf or they're facing the door. She has a very large window that's facing the street, and she has arranged her desk to look out on the street, indicating to all of you that she actually values this this ability to look out onto the world. And as you knock, she has left the door partially ajar, and so you can easily see that she is in there. She gets up and opens the door and says, It is very good to see you again, as after last night is not going to be big enough for all of your animals. Do you mind if the, maybe the bear or the dog stay outside? I'm so sorry. Coco Snoot sit. And Coco Snoot? Right outside the door. Shadow, watch Coco Snoot. <laughs> and Shadow just turns and looks at Coco Snoot. And there's a long pause. And then he starts to lick Coco Snoot. And Coco Snoot, <laughs> like in that, in a weird way, like cats do when they're grooming each other. And there's this very awkward moment as Coco Snoot attempts to continue to sit there like a proper dog, waiting for Bernie to stop looking at him. I will not say no to luxury of Beth. <laughs> not in front of, not in front of the Bernie. 
What in front of that? I just realized N-E-L and Coco Snoot have the same accent, and I need to stop doing Coco Snoot now just to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you all go inside. She shuts the door, and what none of you see is that immediately as soon as Bernie is out of uh, eye shot, Shadow and Coco Snoot get into a cuddle pile and continue to lick each other. It's adorable, but none of you see that except for the DM. Thank you very much. That's me. Hi. You all enter her office. Um, She only has two chairs in front of her desk, but without the larger animals, there's a little more room for you to stand. She sits behind her desk and says, so I know we don't have a lot of time because you're trying to go to the the training grounds tomorrow. What can you tell me about this, the reason that you need them? And Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to be, hey, Travancore, can you check stuff out for us real quick? I bring out my lantern and do the hokey pokey and I turn myself around. That's I like how we forgot about this about. for like Last a year lantern. and all of a sudden it's like, yes, use this. Yep. You put your lantern in, you put your lantern out, you see if you're being scried on and you get a little freaked out. Touch how this is right. Pokey. You turn yourself around. That's what the song's about. That's what <laughs> it's all about. Travancore, remind me, what what exactly does the lantern reveal? Is it just invisible things? What it, What does it uh, actually do? I gotta check my my notes, but I believe it is invisible things. Although I feel like the person that gifted it to me could probably confirm that and elaborate. Hell, I could look it up, but I'm the DM and I'm lazy. Yes, yeah, so uh, it is. While lit, this hooded lantern burns for six hours on a plant of oil, shedding bright light in a 30-foot radius of dim light for an additional 30 feet. Invisible creatures and objects are visible as long as they are in the lantern's bright light. You can use an action to lower the hood, reducing the light to a dim five-foot radius. Okay, so it's invisible things specifically. That's oh, what visible creatures and objects. Yes. All right, so you light up the lantern and you scan through the room and there's only a little bit of awkwardness as you notice that one of the empty spaces on Aniel's bookshelf now reveals three books. And she gives a pointed... <clears throat> Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, okay, we're good. We're good, Jabgor. Um, you can finish. You, you can finish your sweep. I had a feeling that is what was going on. Uh, this room is warded, as is most of the the offices of the professors here. If that helps, I don't. I am not offended. I just no, might sorry. want to ask permission before you just start lighting invisibility lanterns. That is an excellent point, Professor. We're we're I'm we're new at this, so apologies. It's not we're new it's just that we don't actually spend a lot of time in civilization my my education was limited to to one tutor although it was a very good education a lot of the uh the nuances of academia are lost to me this is less academia and more this is my office but you finish your sleep you will not find anything else that i will i would just ask you not tell anybody about that please what tell anyone about what yeah exactly. exactly all right Travancore, you finish the sweep and you do not find anything else. That's good. So, long story short, we have a Yugoloth to kill. And we need the training grounds. We're going to try and bait it there. And then we're going to go all out and kill it. Okay. Are you sure it is going to show up with your bait? Well, no. But... Well, I mean, I... Okay, hold on. We should be caught. I have several plans. Plans are good. This thing, uh, most Yugoloths I know are very intelligent and they will have plans of their own. Yes. We're just going to kill it. That's the only option we've got at this point. We have, it's in the way. It's in the way. 
Yeah. It is impeding us from a further job that we're trying to do, the details of which we won't go into. But yeah, we just need to kill this Yugoloth. And I figured that the best place to do it, the safest place to do it, would be at a place that's kind of used to being destroyed, like the Proving Grounds. And, you know, it's not gonna... No one's gonna really stumble on us if... As long as I make sure that nobody does. That is the... That's the rub. Is the plan to stay there until it arrives? In case it does not immediately arrive? As I said, these things are smart, and... I do not need to know everything about your plans, but whatever bait you have, I I would advise you to be... To think of this as though you were baiting yourselves. If you were offered bait, I'm assuming all of you are smart enough to not rush in without examining the area. Carlton just kind of like looks up into the corner of the room like... <laughs> doo, 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 doo. <laughs> there is... Our friend made an agreement. One that binds him to a course of action. Well... Better thought of as a lack of action uh, for the rest of his life. But we bound him with some loopholes. And we're going to exploit a loophole in a way that should get the Yugoloth's attention. And we're hoping that if nothing else, this Yugoloth decides to show up just to see what's going on when we, when we do what we need to do. He should know if we break. He should know if we break the agreement. And it is within his interest to come and, well, it's within his interest to come get us. Though if you were interested in helping us, we might have a role for you to play in all of this to make sure he takes the bait. You are a skilled seer of all things. I I quickly learned I couldn't pull anything past you. Uh, not all things, but many things, for sure. <sighs> this is this would be a very hard one to see, because uh, any intelligent creature would not go stumbling straight into what could be a trap. If, if you could imagine this as a trap, then it can. So I would advise you to be prepared to bait and wait. I do not know how long you will have to wait. There is a good chance... You may be there a while. Certainly, if if this thing were me, I would take a lot of time to examine what has happened before I even decided to show up if I did myself. I might send somebody else. I might not even send something real. I might send something fake. So you should be prepared for that. I will make sure that the training grounds are clear for several days. It is the, the middle of winter, and it is not uncommon for us to need to... Keep it clear for the snow. I will say that the snow has gotten bad, and they cannot practice there for several days. That will give you some time. But there is only so much that I can do beyond that. Can you help us pretend that you have the magical means to destroy an incredibly powerful object? Say, in a ritual that might need to be performed outside... In a large clearing where no one can find you? Uh, that is not something that I can do, but... But you could pretend. Or maybe you know somebody who can? Perhaps. Although if you can 
break this agreement without that. That's probably easier than any kind of trickery. Oh, I mean, no, we can. We're just discussing window dressing. Something that makes the cardboard set look a little more like downtown Waterdeep, if you get my dress. What do you know about this Yugoloth that is coming for you? How much detail can you give to me? He's a thirsty boy. <laughs> no. We, it was, uh, no, uh, it seems very disinterested in its work. Do you, can you describe it for me? Can you give me any more details? Can you? Yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular starts to describe the Yugoloth, the physical details. Travancore. Mm. Oh boy. I don't know if you remember this. Jonathan would remember. Yeah. I'd say with your with your memory, even without anything else, I would re- I would say that you would remember drawing a certain picture in a certain house for a certain professor for this exact creature. Well, I'm guessing I still have it on me, so I will produce the picture. Okay. Yeah, if you produce that picture and Jonathan is describing the creature and Aniel takes the page and is looking at it and... Do you have a little bit of time? Do you mind if I do something real quick? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Please. Um, she begins to cast a spell that none of you have ever seen before. It takes 10 minutes for her to cast. She lights some incense. She pulls out a few strips of ivory from her desk and she arranges on her desk kind of a, a small little divination circle using the the paper that has the drawing as well as these ivory strips and a little bit of this incense and after 10 minutes, her eyes go white and she blinks a few times. And then she uh, she comes back to consciousness and it's it's brief. It's like she finishes the spell and then there's just like five seconds of her obviously communing with something. And then she comes back to you and says, this is an ultra law. This is not just. Any- I'm sorry. A what? What, what was that? This is a creature that is from... <sighs> this is one of the lowest planes. You have an Ultraloth after you. I do not know specifics about the specific one after you, because I'm assuming you do not have a name. We didn't bother to get its name. I don't think it would have given it to us anyway. Mm. All this while, Jonathan the Magimuscular's eye is starting to twitch. This is one of the more powerful creatures. The, the Whatever it is that it wants or has been contracted to find must be incredibly powerful because this is a general in the army of Yugoloths. Wonderful. Oh, so he's that's not so cheap. great. Bernie, isn't that great? I'm excited. Hey! Variety is, as they say, the <laughs> oh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is not terrified. Jonathan the Magimuscular also might need to change his robes. What? Nothing. I would highly recommend you not be just prepared to fight this thing, but to fight many others. It will bring reinforcements. It is... This is not the one that is sent to go do a thing. It is the thing that sends the ones that do the thing. The fact that it even showed up to begin with, my guess is the thought that it made life easier for it. That is your run out. These things are lazy. These things are are willing to cut and run if things get too difficult. Killing it on this plane will not kill it for good. 
It will just go back to whatever hellscape it came from. But I think if you kill it and it is sent back, it, there is a good chance it will not come back. It will just abandon its mission. They are lazy and self-centered. If you prove to be too difficult for your own good, no matter how valuable a thing that you are trying to take care of, it will drop its contract and not be interested again. Because to invite more confrontation with ones who can destroy it invites you to go to its plane, which is the only way to know for sure. And Jonathan the Metromuscular is working on that presently, the ability to do that. But so we have to go to his house to kill him. No, to permanently like, kill him. No, permanently, but I'm lazy and don't want to die in hell. So right, I've been to hell. It's not that bad. But I, I, and I think that that like like the professor said, like if we kill it here, that sends a powerful message that we're that, that he wouldn't want to fuck with us anymore. But as far as uh, help with this, uh, professor, I know you are you are a much more sophisticated uh, arcanist than I. And quite frankly, we're going to go see Professor uh, uh, Trueheart here for uh, for specific help. Like we we've come to see you to secure the place for our use. We're going to him to help us kill it. Unless you would like to help too, because honestly, at this point, you know, I I think making sure that you have time and space and the information I've been able to gather by uh, casting that spell may be the best that I can do for you. And it's appreciated. We, we now have a better idea of what we're up against. Can you teach Jonathan how to do that spell? Uh, it would take probably more time than you'd like. And Jonathan, I believe no, when you we're done are... with the battle. I believe you are a specialist in the destruction arts, are you not? Uh, that, that is correct. I, that was my major. Your major? But wait, if, but if you know thy enemy, and obviously you know thy enemy, it makes it easier to destroy them. Well, I think we've gotten enough information. Come no, on. I mean, after the battle. That was a good punt. Uh, after <laughs> the battle, I do not think you'll need that spell anymore. But if you would like to spend uh, several weeks and come back to school, I'd be more than happy to uh, take you on to do a little bit of divination magic for sure. Run it post-back. Jonathan the Muscular uh, actually joined the uh, Amethyst Acropolis down in Waterdeep, but hadn't really actually considered coming back for a little, you know, post grad work. Oh, maybe if we get a maybe if we get a break, I'll I'll take you up on it. The instructions at the Amethyst Acropolis I hear are excellent, and they do have uh, quite the library. The Silent Library, I believe, has most everything that you could want. Uh, they are a little sticklers on the necromantic magics, so if you're looking for something about zombies and things, you might have problems. You may have to come back here. But otherwise, absolutely. It's, it is totally up to you. But it is that is not an easy spell to learn, and is not something one needs often and honestly until this moment in unless you are able to find at least one of the names that would go by if not multiple names you are going to not get much else out of that spell that's fine tell you what when bernie's got her food on it or her her boot on its face uh maybe we'll ask it nicely for one of its names and jonathan the metromuscular like smirks Half seriously. He's honestly hoping that Bernie ends up with her boot on his face. My suggestion, if you can, when it comes to that moment, kill it quickly. 
Do not give it the chance to retreat or fight back. Be decisive. Save as much as you can and then destroy it quickly so that when it appears in hell, it is disinterested in coming back. Or else it will just come back. Go hard. No mercy. I know that is an inelegant solution, but sometimes you just have to hit it with a hammer. And I am an inelegant arcanist hammer. No, not lying. That's there are times and places, and I would recommend this is time and place. And I will make sure place stays empty for most of you for as long as possible, at least several days. And I promise I will warn you if that is going to change. But I can tell a few people about the basics of what is going on without going into dangerous specifics as I it is very obvious now that you are telling me what's going on you did not want many people to know because that is going to be a bad idea but good luck unto you this is not going to be easy thank you Ariel thank you and she'll get up and open the door and she'll I'll let you know that by by this evening, all the students will be gone and that place will be empty. And so anytime starting this evening to several days from now, the, the training grounds will be clear. Would you like to go talk to Mr. Jeffrey Trugust or would you like to do anything else? I think we're just going to just going to hop on over to, to Professor Trugust and uh, and see if we can get him. Get his hand and, hey, and Bernie, uh, actually, as we step out, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to be like, uh, I need 10 minutes. And he's going to cast Rare's Telepathic Bond uh, right outside the building and give it to everyone here, including the animals. Uh, and you all hear the familiar Tell Bond. Boop. Dink. Accepted. And in the Telbon, Jonathan the Match Muscular, somehow in a telepathic panic voice, is like, hey, isn't it fun when stuff has the word ultra in front of it? <laughs> so and great. Incredibly exciting. Oh, no, everything is going to be fine. Now, are you? I. This is a concern, I'll be honest. And Bernie is slowly, Um, she has a leash for Coco Snoot and she never really uses it. Um, but today what she's doing is um, she is slowly but surely making one of those, you know, when you tie like a little like when a kid has a balloon and so doesn't doesn't get away, you tie a little wrist thing. She's yeah. making one of those and she's tying it onto Carlton as she speaks. And she says, my biggest concern in the next, I don't know, 25 minutes is that you can handle the meeting with the professor because and she looks and she says, I, how many of us will be left in the room? God only knows. And she's like looking up at Carlton as she's literally putting a leash on him so that he does not leave. As long as it doesn't get awkward again. Carlton, here's a thing. And this is all obviously. And we were at a party. It was the most, I, I don't, I've never watched a a, a, a devolve into a primordial puddle of jello so quickly in my entire life. And then that was a disappearing act. We should just go on the road. Honestly, what you did, we'd make far more money. You know, it's, uh, that was a conversation I didn't need to be a part of. Uh, it was really uncomfortable. And I wanted to go hang out with my buddy Trivancore. I didn't want to be a part of it either, but I stayed. Well, that's on you. 
I'm trying here. Jonathan the Magic Muscular is trying. This is why I'm the gooey moral center of this group. And she says, "You, I am actually not concerned with your ability to fight an ultra whatever it is, but I am very concerned with your ability to hold it the fuck together as we go into his office. Are you, are you okay? Jonathan the Magic Muscular smacks both sides of his head, flexes, and it's like, oh, I'm good. We Whoa, need wait, this. here, I got it. And I go to slap him in the face. Oh. Bring it! I I actually have an idea oh, about that. Like if, if we're worried about about Carlton, you know, maybe saying something out of step or out of turn, and you're worried about me particularly having the particulars of, of this plan, which, you know, the less I know, the better, maybe we wait outside of Trugus's office. I mean, unless there's something specifically you need us for. The thing is, is last time we had a conversation with Trugus, I left and left Bernie alone in the awkward conversation. She wants me to suffer. Remember what I said before about welcoming distractions from, uh, from the tasks at hand? You know, maybe we could focus a little bit more than we are right now. Just just throwing it out there. No, I got this. This is, <laughs> we need this professor's help. And so I need to make a good impression. Ah! Okay. You've arrived at the door of Jeffrey Trugust. Bernie's going to sigh and look at the leash. And she's going to say, you're not wrong about the details issue. And she's going to hand the leash to Travancore. And she's going to say, what if you... Some more churros. You know, it's funny you say churros. That's exactly what I had in mind. I, I reach in the bag. I go churro. And what if you don't let you give Carlton's to Carlton and you, Travancore, are in charge of making sure my churros come back with chocolate sauce and no extra lint from the inside of our bag. I mean, it could be worse. I, I I hear tell that there are bags of holding that are made of glitter, and anything that comes out of them have glitter on them. Don't don't tell that. Don't say that in his vicinity. I'm not buying one of those for you. I don't want one. Glitter is a, po- a, a pox on, on our kingdom. It's been banned from Perconum for several years. <laughs> is this is this Perconum or the or your personal household? <laughs> yes. Yes. Is it because of the microplastics killing all the wildlife? So remembering that Perconum is an amalgam of my, you know, my both my dual backgrounds, you know, it it, it is plausible that you know I, I probably don't world build Perconum too much more, but I think a world a blanket glitter blend is very on brand for uh, for me both as a father and uh, and as a Travancore. I I think a ban on glitter is a sure sign of an intelligent society. Yeah, maybe. Borderline authoritarian, but that's another issue another time. Carlton's got making his Yule list. All right. Anyway. It sounds like Travancore is staying outside with the animal companions while the three of you are going to... Bernie said Carlton can go with him and they can get some fucking churros together and have a little adventure. You're going to go off and get churros? Charmed the goddamn theater. Yeah, foosball team (laughs) off to find churros. I'm going to say Jonathan knows that it's churro day at the cafeteria. And thus, if you go down to the student commons, you will be able to get yourself churros. Oh, man. And they also have a foosball table at the commons. They do, they do not. Jonathan had never played foosball until he came to Waterdeep. So I will give you churros. I will not give you foosball. <laughs> not only that, there's a churro bar. They have, like, a, a, a riot of toppings from, like, other places that, that feed into the school. Because, like, like, all good universities, it's a melting pot. Yeah. And if the churro bar is worth its salt, they probably have melted chocolate. And a quint, because a quad is not enough. Absolutely. You find all of that and more. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> as 
as as they all saunter off to have a churro morning, uh, Bernie and Jonathan are left in front of the closed door of Jeffrey Trugust. Oh, I should right. make it clear that I take uh, Carlton's leash off because that's undignified. Oh, thank you. All right. I was uh, hoping you guys would look like a cute BDSM couple. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> they look like a oh, cute no, couple. Oh, no. Carlton's got a mask like a in his pocket. Carlton's got a mask. Hope we're into some wolf Jack's play. Jack's holding the leash. I see Travacore is a low-key BDSM. Doesn't want to rub people's noses in it. Yeah, That's you his know. kink. It's fine. Three Azimar and a Tiefling are sent to a strange new world on a divine mission. Trouble is, when they arrive, none of them can remember what the mission is, and only one of them has any interest in the god that sent them. Join Briathos, Bizdira, Kit, Flick, and DM Jazzy Hands as they play matchmaker with kobolds, assassinate Yuan-Ti political figures, and completely, if accidentally, disrupt the delicate equilibrium of the world they found themselves in. Reviewers call it a patchwork of beautiful storytelling, immersive roleplay, and a healthy sprinkling of humorous banter. The Last Refuge is a weekly D&D actual play podcast set in a completely original world. Check us out at dndlastrefuge.com. Happy gaming, y'all. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on April 26th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. L-E-A-S-E-D-D-Y-J-E-E-P So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Alright. Knock, knock, knock. Pretty much within five seconds, the door opens, and there, standing prim and proper, is Jeffrey Trugust, who looks at all of you, uh, at the two of you, I should say. Thank you for being prompt. Please come inside. And motions you in. Thank, thank you for seeing us and come in. Well, Professor, get right to it. Uh, he closes the door. And at once it's closed, he then indicates some seats. You do see that the this room, NEL's was clean and neat and orderly, but was obviously a room for a professor who had been a professor for many years. Knickknacks, the whole nine yards. Uh, you could swear that Jeffrey Trugust moved in this morning and was a military man. There is... Nothing personal anywhere. Jonathan the Muscular notes this and says, well, um, get right to it. Please. Tomorrow we're, we're going to fight a demon in the, uh, at, in the Proving Grounds. That sounds serious. It's an ultra demon. It's an ultra loth. We just found out. It's been a great morning. Fantastic. Wonderful. Is there a reason that you must fight this thing? We shouldn't go into too many details. We'll just say that it is... Well, actually, Bernie said it pretty well last in the last meeting. It's in our way. Yeah. In the way of what? Is this something that you can abandon? Fighting? No. 
the little I know about these kind of creatures, these are not to be taken lightly. And if it is coming after you, then there must be a significant reason why it is. And that battle is not one that is easily survivable. It's why we're here. And that's why we're talking to you. Because this this quest is not something we, we can abandon. We have to be inexorable in it. Okay. Jonathan the Magimuscular chose a word that I thought Professor Chukas was like. Uh, inexorable is a great word. Anyway. Um, Did you say that out loud? He says no. it in the group chat. <laughs> I say it, oh, the, oh uh, yeah, okay. I say it in the group call. Which All is right. interesting for Carlton and, and yeah, Travancore. Yeah, what does that word mean? <laughs> no, the funny thing is you don't even hear the word. What you just hear in your head all of a sudden is Jonathan saying, Jonathan the Magimuscular shows a word that <laughs> you don't hear Which the word? word. You just hear that little bit. It's a great word. It, it is a good word. Hey, Jonathan, what word? Tell you later. <laughs> well, how's, how's the meeting going? It's fine. Wonderful. Uh, I can only is assume it awkward? if you have a creature of this magnitude of power coming after you, that the mission that you are currently on is one of equal magnitude of power. I am going to be charitable and assume that you are all equally magnitude in that power to match it. I am unsure what I can do to assist in that besides stay out of your way and not bring the entire city of Neverwinter down on top of you by my presence. Well, that's one reason why. Are you that popular? Bernie says that out loud and then goes, oh, no. (laughs) In the head, she goes, oh, no. Popular would not be the word that I would use, but like most major cities... Anyone who has the capacity for destruction that I do are closely monitored. Oh. Oh. I wasn't meaning to imply that you weren't popular. I just, you know, celebrity. Weird. Kind of popular in your own way, I guess. I understand. So that's actually one reason why we came back here. We, I knew that the Proving Grounds would be a nice big space to where I could go all out. And my friends could go all out. That makes sense. We know that, yeah, we know we have to be, I think the word that was most recently used was this quick and decisive in this fight. So um, that's why we're, that's why we're trying to round up allies, trying to figure out who can help us survive this. Allies are going to be hard to find. If you are unsuccessful in this, then anyone that you bring with you Not only are their lives in danger, but even if they are not, they are going to be pegged by a, you said it is a a Yugoloth, an Ultraloth? That's correct. Anyone you bring with you is going to be hunted. Their families will be hunted. The city will be in danger. Should we not have come here? I think your decision to go to a neutral location that can be cleared of innocence is a good idea. I just think... You do not ask anyone to go with you who is not ready to take on that responsibility. However, while I cannot join you in this, in fact, me joining you might be antithetical to what you want because I will just bring more attention to something you'll want to keep quiet. This is a battle that will best be done theoretically quietly. Obviously, there will be explosions, but you do not want Waterdeep or Neverwinter or any of the major cities finding out about this. You do not want guards showing up. You do not want bystanders and onlookers showing up. 
Is there anything you think would be helpful in this battle? Well, we've we've done an okayish job of figuring out what it is. We could use some more information on what might hurt it the the most. And really, we're just there's four of us and and our various companions and abilities. Hey, Jonathan, what kind of churro do you want? Oh, we're at the churro bar. Caramel glaze, please. If they still have it. If they still have it. Caramel glaze and then chocolate for Bernie? Chocolate. Chocolate with caramel sauce? Really? No, no. Chocolate for Bernie, caramel glaze for Jonathan. (laughs) They're hashing this out in the call. In the call. (laughs) We don't want to say it out loud. We don't want to look dumb in front of the churro people. Oh, no, you, no, no, if, if there's the, st- the same little old lady that's running the churro stand or a younger lady that looks like her. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be indecisive in that shit. Come on, man. I'm representing the kingdom here. As you're having this mental discussion, Jeffrey has stood up from behind the desk and he's gone over to basically the only thing in his office that isn't just a desk. Uh, he does have some books across the uh, bookshelf on one wall and he thumbs through a few books until he finds the one that he's looking for flips through it like scans through it for a moment and says well i can tell you like most fiends in general fire is not something you're going to want to bring in copious amounts to this battle and he kind of gives not a pointed look but a a meaningful look i'll say jonathan it's not it's not derogatory it's just he knows jonathan's speciality yeah i would also not recommend any type of poison this thing and most fiends are notorious for being unaffected by any type of poison in fact magic in general they tend to have a very good grasp of and thus tend to be able to avoid some of its more deterious effects what about more divine magic? It will definitely be hurt by it. I don't know of anything in specific that this thing would be weak to. They don't become generals of hell for having weaknesses. Well, thankfully, and in many ways, uh, thanks to Bernie here, I've actually added a couple of very powerful, not divine spells but i would say divine inspired that do more damage from the heaven sort of stuff that i have in my bag now but your repertoire is still very fire-based you always were a fan of the flame that's true and john bernie you see uh jonathan the magic muscular he's starting to stiffen up a little bit it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay so you said There has to be something. They're fast. Can we trap it? Can we slow it down? Any, literally anything. I, I know that Jonathan is not your absolute favorite student, but do you just not want to help us? Roll a persuasion check, Bernie. That's a 13. I want to help. And to the contrary, I always thought Jonathan was a very apt pupil. Bernie looks at him like, hey, that's good that's good we may have had our differences about outlook on life and certainly the failure to show up to some of the meetings that i had set up was a disappointment but 
I think you have grown since then, and your apology was more than adequate the other night. And I am not one to hold grudges for those who make mistakes when they are young. I am unsure what else there is that I can offer that would be any more comparable to what you already have, beyond the idea of a diverse portfolio. Is there anything you are looking for in specific? Is there any parts of your repertoire you wish you could expand upon? How do these ultraloths react to lightning? Uh, how much does he know about that? Oh, yeah, he fucking knows everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, they are yeah, resistant to most types of mundane damage. I see. Lightning and cold. You are going to need more... And then he gives you a look. You're going to need more esoteric options. Like, could you just... Let's... Okay. Uh, you seem like the kind of man who speaks plainly. What the hell do you mean by esoteric? Jonathan the Match Muscular actually responds with a wry grin. Look, sir, I deal... Like, the divine power of my goddess flows through me, and I can deal several kinds of damage because she's there... Smiting the good smite, if you know what I mean. Just, it's, she's like looking at John. What do you esoteric? What does esoteric mean? Just say it. You don't have to. Do, I'm glad that you know the word esoteric. Descriptive words are great. Bernie's having a breakdown. She's like, it's great. I know you've got this whole thing, and you're like, oh, I'm very guarded, and you have none. Military is not a personality. Um, neat, neat, and she's just like. People are going to die. There's not, like, I understand we don't really want anybody to die for us, but the long, long, horrible chain of events, if we fail here, is a big, massive, horrible failure elsewhere. And, you know, we talked ourselves into this situation, and Jonathan, you want to help me out here? Hey guys, there's actually a sale on Truro, so we were able to get more for less coin. Was there anything else you guys Not wanted from the student center while we're here? <laughs> oh, but they're so good, and the chocolate sauce is perfect! Jonathan, do you, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, Jonathan, do you have any last words as she turns to you? Clarification. So, maybe some radi more radiant damage? Radiant damage isn't something that I normally specialize in, and when... I, I talk about damage coming out of my asshole when I fart too loud. Is that going to work? Bernie, roll an intimidation check. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's so fed up. She's so fucking fed up because Bernie, I know. Bernie I know. talks to people and the idea that you would withhold information when you know people are going to die. She's so mad. What am I wrong? To be honest, to be honest, until a moment ago, you hadn't talked about people dying except for the people that are going into this fight. So that's why you're getting to roll an intimidation check. As you... She's not very good at it, though. No, but you're saying some things that are very intimidating in this moment. 16. It's a 16. <laughs> Professor Trugust regards you in that continued impassive look for many moments. And he is impossible to read. And Jonathan's used to this. And Bernie, you're you're kind of expecting it. But, but even with this outburst, he has no response. He very cl slowly closes the book that he had been scanning through with information, puts it on the shelf, sits back down at his desk, regards both of you for a very long, serious, quiet moment, reaches into his desk, you both very clearly hear keys and the sound of an unlocking drawer. 
You also hear him mutter a few words under his breath that none of you, that neither of you can hear what he says, but are obviously magical in nature. And a drawer opens. He reaches into the drawer and he reaches back and back and down and then comes out with an envelope. And he opens up the envelope and pulls out a single piece of folded up paper and looks over at Jonathan and says, I can provide you with esoteric, but you can only use it the once. And if you do not use it, you must promise to give it back to me. There will be no putting this into your spell book. There will be no telling other people about this. There will be no sharing with anyone. And if anyone asks where you received this from, then you can say that it was divine intervention by your friend who has radiant damage coming out of their ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sir. And this is the closest you've ever heard him come to a joke. Okay. Uh, ever. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, at, at 100%. Yes, sir. What paper? I don't know. Bernie, do you see a paper? I see a paper, but uh, then I'm not going to see it. Uh. Bless Bay. And Bernie's going to reach a hand across the table and she's going to scoot the he, paper. He has not put the paper Jonathan. down. He's still holding it in oh, his hand oh. as he is looking at the two of you. You reach forward and he continues to hold it and he says, joking aside. Huh? I I swear that if I don't use this, it will go back and no one will know the origin. The origin will be Bay, the goddess. Bernie's gonna lift her chin and wink and go, I got you. There will be no duplications of this? Absolutely not. And at that point, he doesn't put it down on the de the desk. He holds it out to Jonathan for him to take. Jonathan, the Magimuscular, takes it, and he's going to look at the piece of paper. You unfold it, and you find it is technically a spell scroll. Even though it is not in a scroll case, it is right. a, a piece of paper on magical paper. It is a spell called Dark Star, and it's got terms that you have never heard of before. And you see words like gravity and dunamancy and things that you, things that the Magimuscular has never encountered. And there are symbols on here that send your mind reeling with possibilities. And just as you're starting to grok what this thing could be, all of a sudden, your professor is standing next to you and is using your own hand to close the paper. He's not taking it from you. He's just, he's doing this thing where he has my hand and just like... Folding it back up so you can't look at it anymore. And he says, study it enough to cast it from the, from the scroll and it will be gone. And then lose it from your memory. These are secrets that are best kept until they are absolutely needed and then discarded. Do you understand? I understand. I'm trusting you with something that very few people on this plane of existence know about. Don't make me come and take it from you. If I wouldn't dream of it. I believe you, which is why I am giving it to you. 
And with that, he steps back and goes back behind the desk. And you now have a spell scroll, a one-time casting of Dark Star, which is Graviturgy Magic. And I gave you the link in the chat so that you can have it on hand. He sits down again, and Bernie, you've been able to be slightly more impassive observing this moment. Obviously, Jonathan is a little distracted by a few things. You think for the briefest of moments when when the professor essentially threatens Jonathan, has that moment of, I'm giving this to you, don't make me come and hunt you down. Don't Don't betray me. He looks just a little upset and sad. Like he's saying something that would, he would be upset if he had to do that. And it's brief. It's the briefest flash of sadness before he then walks back, sits back down at the desk and says, I will expect a report on everything that happened, no matter what the outcome is. I will. uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of gathers himself. Jonathan the Magimuscular, as you remember, was not one for reports, but you will get a full report, Professor. I'm the gooey moral center. I'm a good moral compass. He'll be fine. Good. I don't need anything in writing. I just need to know what happened when it is over. Those of us that survive will be sure to tell you. Everyone's gonna survive. I look forward to seeing you all again. And with that, he stands, and it's obvious to all of you that to him, this meeting is over. This, this is, we're done. We're done. <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular immediately stands up. Thank you, for Professor. Jonathan the Magimuscular is a little bit of a jokey character, but he is, he has, he's kind of turned a corner just now. And so he just hands his hand out for his professor. And he'll take it, and he'll shake it, and he'll say... I wish you all the best. Thank you. Bernie's going to shake his hand and say, you know, when this is all over, we'll take you to the opera as a thank you. As a thank you, I would like to hear all of the details, but I appreciate the offer. And he'll shake your hand as well. And we go out. And so I would say that during in the call, during the brief moment when Jonathan the Magimuscular was first seeing this Dunamancy spell, All of a sudden, the call was full somehow of overlapping Jonathan the Matromuscular voices for a brief couple of seconds going, oh, this equation here, how did he get this variable? What what powers this? This, the the, the eigenvalues here are just phenomenal. What, this rune here, what is it? And for it goes for a couple of seconds. And then when Professor Trueheart, like, kind of snaps him back to reality, it just stops. Professor Trugust, yeah. Trugust, sorry, sorry. I keep calling him Professor Trueheart, but it's Trugust. I will say, so as, as you step outside and the door is closed behind you, um, Travancore and Carlton, how many churros have you bought? At least 30. How many churros have you eaten? Oh, at least 10. How many churros have you given to your animal companions? Oh, another another four or five. There, I would say there are at least 10 churros left for Bernie and, and Jonathan, right? Yeah, there's like five chocolate and five caramel drizzle yeah. left. Yeah. What is the most, uh, the strangest churro that you have created in this time? I had a ham and pineapple churro. Oh, you, man. <laughs> they call it a Hawaiian churro, and no one knows why. <laughs> I had a chorizo and avocado oh, churro. We were too busy about whether or not we could. We never stopped to think if we should. 
There is no Jeff Goldblum in this plane of existence, so we did, how would we know to worry to ask that question? As you all return with your cheeros, as Jonathan has uh, an extra spell in his back pocket, and you all have a little more information, we're going to pause there. And when we get back together, it will be, uh, you'll have a little bit of time before you're supposed to meet up with Cleo for dinner, and hopefully she has some, some gifts to give unto you, and maybe fighting i don't know we seem to have gone back and forth on that we'll decide that next time but first let me give you some experience so i did not mean for finger of death to be such a big thing and i didn't mean for the discussion about hey i trust you and if if you go evil uh we can destroy you to be a thing because i didn't have anything to do with the evil discussion and finger of death i decided was going to be in the spell book literally months ago and all of a sudden those were two things that were very very much on my mind in my own game that I play in. So that was that was a weird moment. I was having weird fa- flashbacks to my own character as I was watching your characters talk. So I'm going to give you experience for it because it's funny. For masks, because even if you don't do the fighting ring, I appreciate that the two of you were immediately able to describe in detail your masks. I may have been thinking about it for a week. <laughs> That's fine. That is super duper fine for bags of glitter because I'm making that magic item now. That's exciting. Uh, what have I wrought? You've you've wrought a. There's bags of holding. There's bags of devouring, and there's bags of glitter. Bag of glitter might be worse than a bag of devouring. I don't know. For all of that and more, I will give you a total of seven thousand six hundred experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, it'll be the afternoon. I'm sure there'll just be nothing going on. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.